Will 2023 be the season of the resurgence of BYU's tight ends? Well, the hope is that that will be the case. We're also taking a look back at BYU and Coastal Carolina in 2020. You are Locked On Cougars, your daily podcast on the BYU Cougars. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's up, everybody? I'm Jay Catch, your host here on Locked On Cougars, resident BYU insider. Thank you for making Locked On Cougars your first listen of the day. Thank you to all of you who are everydayers with us here on the Locked On Podcast Network. Just a quick wave introduction, or I guess a reminder for you guys that we are your original daily podcast focused on all things BYU sports. A little bit of controversy, by the way, with that. Uh, some people saying that BYU Sports Nation was the original. Now, BYU Sports Nation, let's be very clear, is a simulcast radio and TV product from BYU TV. It is not simply just a podcast. So that is the differentiator. So hopefully that explains a few things. For, I've had two or three of you in the last little bit ask about my claim to that. But this is truly your original daily podcast focused on all things BYU. And a big thank you regardless for all of the support, as always. All right, diving right back into our position previews and primers ahead of BYU training camp beginning in under a week. Uh, Monday, players report to training camp. Tuesday, they take the field for the first time on August 1st, and away we go, uh, getting ready for the upcoming 2023 season. BYU's first foray in the Big 12 ranks as a member of the Power 5 ranks. Looking forward to all of that. And today, we're going to talk about BYU's tight end position. Now, tight ends for BYU have been something that if you go back through the annals of BYU football history, going back essentially to the start of the Lavelle Edwards era, they have been a huge part, a huge differentiator and a huge weapon in BYU's greatest offenses in their history. Think of guys like Gordon Hudson. Think of a Tulamili, Chad Lewis. Think of guys uh, going back, uh, uh, Byron Rex. Uh, Jeez, there's a litany of tight ends littering the history of BYU. You can go to Johnny Harleen. You can go to Dennis Pitta. You can go to any one of these guys. And the thing about this is the last two years, for whatever reason, there's been a little bit of a fall-off in terms of the overall production from BYU's tight end position. Excuse me. The question will be, will this be the year, 2023, that the BYU tight end position returns to glory and becomes a bigger part of the offense? Now, uh, there's a lot that goes into the so-called up and down when it comes to how much uh, attention a position group gets in the passing game. Quarterbacks and their preferences change. Jaron Hall, for whatever reason, preferred to throw it to the outside, throw it to his wide receivers. For whatever reason, that's just kind of his preference. Zach Wilson saw the utilization of tight ends as something he enjoyed. He enjoyed having that safety blanket. It's kind of the big differentiator of what we're going to talk about here with BYU's tight ends. Is Can uh, Keaton Slovis get back to being more of potentially what Zach Wilson was, where the tight end is targeted early and more often than it was the last two years with Jaron Hall at the helm of BYU's offense? I'm not saying that Jaron Hall was the only reason the BYU's tight end struggled. Obviously, last year, you had a guy like Isaac Rex, who was competing at probably, I'd say, maybe 80% at the very most of his capacity as a football player. He had uh, all kinds of pins, screws, and plates in his uh, ankle that he suffered that horrific dislocated ankle injury at the tail end of the 2021 season against USC. He had to undergo multiple surgeries to correct all the damage in that ankle. And to his credit, he battled through it all and soldiered on last year. And despite not playing at 
at top capacity, he still was second on BYU's roster in touchdown receptions. Now, overall receptions and yards for him were down from 2021, and also you go back to 2022 compared to what he was doing in 2020, etc. But the hope is this year, the guy like Isaac Rex can return to glory, uh, if you want to use that analogy, and lead BYU back to being more of what they have been in their history, where the tight end is a huge focal point of BYU's offense. The thing about this is you have three really good wide receivers we've already talked about. If you go back uh, to our wide receiver preview, you get a top three of Cody Epps, uh, Keanu Hill, and Chase Roberts, none of which I feel like have necessarily proven that they are going to be, quote-unquote, the guy for BYU. So that could lend itself to more targets for a guy like Isaac Rex as BYU's tight end position. I love what Isaac Rex brings to the table, folks. Six foot six, 255 pounds. He looks every bit the part of a future NFL tight end. Now, he's an older prospect, having served a mission for the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Who knows what his professional prospects are going to be? But there's no doubt in my mind that if Isaac Rex is given the requisite amount of looks and touches and whatever it else entails, he can go back to being more what he was when he set that freshman record of 12 touchdown receptions in the 2020 season. That He can get back to playing more of that for BYU, I feel like, this season. And a guy like Keaton Slovis has highlighted guys like Isaac Rex in his media observa- not observations, his media availabilities uh, during the offseason, during spring camp and the like. So I think that he is going to look for those tight ends. The good news is, beyond Isaac Rex, there are other bodies at the tight end position that should lend themselves to being better complements for a guy like Isaac Rex. No longer is it just going to be number 83 and a whole bunch of nobodies it feels like in a way. The nice part is Mason Wake turned himself into a very viable tight end candidate despite starting his career as a fullback for BYU. He's listed still as a tight end on BYU's roster at 6'1", 260 pounds but what BYU learned about Mason Wake was that they thought, okay, we'll see what he can do as a tight end. He adapted to the regular tight end position versus playing H-back or fullback so much so that BYU felt like, hey, we can put both these guys on the field together and let them compete and it actually helped BYU's offense uh, in run sets and the like. So the hope is that will continue this year but that Mason Wake and Isaac Rex by the way, the other thing about Isaac Rex, all that hardware, all all those pins and excuse me, all the pins and the uh, plates and the screws in his ankle they've all been taken out. He moves so much more freely, and it seemed like he was just more comfortable during spring camp after having that offseason surgery. So the hope is after just a, a summer's worth of working out, going through player-run practices, and getting that time in, he should return to more of the form of what we've been used to seeing from him uh, during his years early on in his BYU career. But like I said, there's other guys on the roster. Ethan Erickson is a guy that Aaron Roderick has crowed about time and time again and is really, really high on his potential. Erickson, six foot five, 240 pounds, is a prototypical body type for a tight end. The hope is that 2023 might see him kind of step into his own and become the quote-unquote heir apparent for a guy like Isaac Rex, because I would assume that Isaac Rex is probably done after this season. I, I don't know that for certain, but he's got that opportunity to go to the pro ranks after this year. He could have left after last year, frankly, but he decided to return for one more season, it feels like, uh, to make another run at it with BYU. But beyond that, you have other players, including the likes of Nason Coleman and Anthony Olsen, Mataava Taase, who just recently joined BYU BYU as a transfer from Southern Utah. Not to mention guys like junior college transfer Ray Paulo, Jackson Bowers, the four-star prospect at tight end that I think can compete for playing time right away because he's got a college-ready body. 6'5", 245 pounds is what BYU's list him on their roster. That is a guy that most programs has been in a program in a college weight room for two or three years. He's already got that and he's a true freshman, 18 years old coming into BYU. Keep an eye on Bowers wearing the number 41 as a guy that you'll want to track because he's got 
that ability. He's got that ability to go up and be an elite pass receiver, but at the same time develop his run-blocking ability to find playing time as a freshman. So I'm very high on BYU's tight end position if given the opportunity to shine in this offense. I am of the opinion that I think you're going to see a return of more targets going towards the tight ends with Keaton Slovis under center than he did with Jaron Hall. And like I said, it's no slight against Jaron Hall. It's just a preference of his was just to go outside and throw it to the wide receivers. And BYU had a pretty good core of wide receivers, in particular a guy like Puka Nakua. So I get uh, probably some of his motivation. But the other thing about this is it's going to give an opportunity for a guy like Keaton Slovis. When you can put uh, two tight ends on the field, the 12 personnel as they call it, and give him an opportunity to have those tight ends make plays for him, they can be a matchup nightmare for BYU. The the thought is that BYU at different times during the the 2023 season could line up with a 6'3", 230-pound running back in Aiden Robbins, a 6'1", 260-pound hybrid uh, fullback, H-back tight end in Mason Wake in front of him, then you could put a guy like Isaac Rex out there in the slot at tight end, and then also another tight end, so let's say a guy like Jackson Bowers. Those are some big, big bodies they are going to make up for make a lot of matchup nightmares for opposing offenses to try and defend. Are you going to try and throw a safety at some of those guys? Are you going to try and have a linebacker run with them? There are so many things that BYU can utilize with this tight end position if they truly will dig into it. And I, I've got, I've got a thought. I've just like a sneaking suspicion that 2023 will be the year that BYU's tight ends are great again. To use that phrase, you guys know what phrase I'm using. But nonetheless, it's a big, big opportunity for BYU's tight ends to go out and prove themselves in training camp. As I said, there are multiple bodies in this room. The nice part is there's versatility across the roster. As I said, Mason Wake can play fullback, H-back, or tight end. Mason Fakahua will probably play a similar role to him at 6'2", 240 pounds. He's got the same uh, type of ability to contribute multiple facets, but that's nothing to say of a guy like Ray Paulo, who comes from the junior college ranks, having played both defensive end and tight end. By the way, he was a linebacker slash safety before a mission, so he's grown into his frame at 6'2", 255 pounds. There's versatility amongst these tight ends, and I cannot wait to see how Aaron Roderick deploys them in his scheme, really utilizes them, and the hope is that Keaton Slovis will be uh, looking for their numbers uh, pretty early on here. One guy to keep an eye on, just my my personal thought, is I think that fall camp could be a coming out party for him because he had moments in spring ball, is Anthony Olsen. Anthony Olsen is a former prep basketball phenom, 6'4", 235 pounds, out of Olympus High School, walked on with BYU football, and he showed the ability to really have nice soft hands and go up and make plays in the air. Keep an eye on him in training camp. I'm not 100% convinced that he comes out of training camp as the number two guy at tight end, but he is a guy who I think could garner himself some extra playing time this season with a solid training camp. But I I guess my biggest thing about BYU's tight end position is will Keaton Slovis give them the looks that they seem to be lacking the last two years? And we'll find out more in training camp. Cannot wait to be out there on the field at the Smith Athlete Building, the Student Athlete Building. I wanted to say the Smith Fieldhouse randomly, I suppose, but be out there at the SAB uh, watching BYU football practice. And of course, we'll have exclusive conversations and recaps for you guys right here every day on the podcast. So keep it uh, with us right here on Locked On Cougars all training camp long. I know there's a number of you probably checking back in from your offseason hiatus or some of you that uh, tell me you listen during the year and then obviously you go away for the summer. But hey, welcome back. And uh, hopefully you guys will be along for the ride all season long. We'll have plenty of coverage for you guys as well. All right, coming up here in just a minute, we're going to flip over. We've been going through all 155 games in 
and BYU's independent football run. Uh, we're going to talk about maybe the most famous one, uh, potentially, in their run of independence. Uh, a game scheduled on three days' notice, BYU making the trip to uh, North Carolina to take on Coastal Carolina. We're going to talk about all of the hijinks that entailed in that game coming up next as we continue on right here on Locked on Cougars. Now, first a word on our friends over at LinkedIn. Our friends, uh, every day there's new potential hires out there, and they all can feel like a high-stakes wager for your small business. If you're a small business owner or you're a hiring manager, you know exactly what I'm talking about. You want to be 100% certain that you have access to the best qualified candidates available, and that's why you need to check out LinkedIn Jobs, my friends. LinkedIn Jobs help you find the right people for your team faster and for free, and the best part about it is they want to make it as simple as possible. All you got to do is go create the posting, then add your job in purple hashtag hiring frame to your LinkedIn profile and spread the word that you're hiring. Simple as that. Then they have simple tools like screening questions, make it easy to focus on candidates with just the right skills and experience so you can quickly prioritize who you'd like to interview and hire. And that's why also why small businesses are rating LinkedIn jobs number one and delivering quality hires versus leading competitors. You want the best, work with the best, my friends. LinkedIn jobs help you find the qualified candidates that you want to talk to faster. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash locked on college. That's linkedin.com slash locked on college. Post that job for free terms and conditions apply march madness is right around the corner if you want to win your office pool you need to stay caught up with all the college basketball action with the locked on college basketball podcast every monday andy Patton and isaac shade recap the biggest stories in college basketball keep you up to date on the ncaa tournament bubble and get you ready for the upcoming week of games from the Big East to the Mountain West and everywhere in between, Andy and Isaac have college hoops covered on the Locked On College Basketball Podcast. Available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Thank you once again for making Locked On Cougars your first listen today. Thank you to all of you who are everydayers with us here on the podcast. Uh, we will continue more of the same tomorrow on the podcast. We've been going position group by position group over the past week and a half, getting you ready for BYU's training camp. Coming up on tomorrow's show, we're going to the interior of the defensive line, defensive tackles. Can Jackson Cravens be the difference for BYU to be much stiffer against the run on the interior? Can they see some of the guys like Caden Hawes and Atunayas Mahe rise to the occasion in what could be their final seasons as, as BYU football players? We'll talk about more about that on tomorrow's edition of the podcast. All right, before we uh, move along here, let's talk about another game in BYU's independent run as a football program. We've been doing this all offseason long, getting you ready for the upcoming season. We've been grinding our way through all 155 games. Now we're stuck at the tail end of the 2020 season. We still have three seasons to get through. We've got to get through 20, or excuse me, two more seasons to get through, 2021 and 2022, and we'll talk about those in succeeding days. But I want to talk today about maybe the most famous game of BYU's independent run because it just all the stakes that were entailed in this. And the game I'm talking about is BYU's ill-fated trip when they made the the trip cross-country on very short notice, three days notice at the very most, to take on Coastal Carolina during the 2020 season. Now, the circumstances were that Coastal Carolina was scheduled to host Liberty in this game, and the Chanticleers were 9-0 on the season, and they were going to have college game day coming to Conway, South Carolina, excuse me, Conway, South Carolina, for the first time in program history. Well, Liberty then uh, had an outbreak of COVID-19 amongst their football program and had to cancel the game. Well, Coastal Carolina went into scramble mode, and obviously they did not want to lose college game day potentially coming to their campus to highlight the teal turf that they had and the phenomenal season they were enjoying at that time with Jamie Chadwell as their head coach. Well, BYU happened to be off that week. They actually been off for two weeks, if I recall correctly, or at least it had been off for one week, and were looking for another game potentially. And all of a sudden, 
sudden, uh, there were rumors flying around Monday and Tuesday of that week. Now, Jake Edmonds, a good friend of mine who formerly worked at KUTV, also former BYU TV employee, etc. Maybe you might remember him. He's at JakeKUTV on a Twitter. He and I were going back and forth on Tuesday night, and we'd gotten some intel that BYU was in the mix for this game, potentially to play it on short notice against Coastal Carolina. Well, then he and I finally got enough confirmations, enough hashtag sources confirmed it to us, that we went uh, on Twitter with the report saying, hey, BYU is going to play Coastal Carolina in this game. And uh, obviously the opportunity was there for BYU, and the, the thing about this was is it was just kind of a, a weird circumstance, because even when we kind of were talking about the potential of this uh, game going down, and the the they had the BYU uh, truck rolling out saying, we're making a Taco Bell run, you know what was happening. But it wasn't truly on until Wednesday night, if I recall correctly. It might have been Thursday before the official announcement came. And then BYU practiced for like two days and then made the cross-country trip on a Friday to go to Conway, South Carolina to play this game. It was played on ESPNU, many of you might recall. College game day was there. Such a weird year. This game, if you recall, was played on December 5th. 2020. That season ran so late into the year just because of the COVID-19 pandemic. It's just so crazy to me to think back on this, but BYU came out, and honestly, I think they were uh, expecting Coastal Carolina to be a little more of a pushover than they actually were. Uh, BYU struggled in this game. There's no doubt about it. The Cougars were 13th in the country. I think coming in, uh, really feeling good about themselves. Both these teams were 9-0, and and it felt like whoever won this game had probably had the inside track at a New Year's Six Bowl uh, slot potentially, and BYU absolutely was looking for some uh, legitimizing wins on their conference, on, on the conference schedule, on their overall schedule, and this would have been one of them for BYU. Well, BYU went down there, and it started off okay, but the thing about this, as I said, it became a slog for BYU. They struggled on defense to contain that hybrid uh option that uh, BYU was running at that time, and Coastal Carolina, their their offensive and defensive lines were feisty. There was that center that made life miserable for Kyrus Tonga in the middle. He was like all of a five foot eight, if I, if I recall correctly, but BYU just never really kind of found a footing, but late in this game, BYU uh, led this game 14 to 13 at halftime. Many of you might recall that incident right before halftime, Zach Wilson throws an interception, and then two Coastal Carolina players just absolutely maul him, cheap shot him. It was ugly. That there's no reason that that should have uh, been allowed, but for whatever reason, the referees were like, yeah, okay, what? I was like, are you kidding me? That was a cheap shot. Regardless, BYU in the second half found themselves in a slog. Now, uh, going in uh, to the uh, fourth quarter, it was a 17-16 to ball game for Coastal Carolina. Coastal Carolina then punches in a touchdown to go up 22-17, to and then it felt like, okay, last gasp here for BYU. Zach Wilson starts to engineer something. And remember, many of you will recall this drive exactly where you're at. BYU gets the ball on the BYU 18, and then they uh, reel off seven plays, and there was, uh, let's see, what was the time left on this? I'm, i got to pull this up here. Seven seconds to go. Zach Wilson completes a pass to Dax Milne for 17 yards. Dax Milne was unable. He was trying to plant on it. He was trying to get like a one foot down to plant on it and drive towards the end zone. But Coastal Carolina had him balled up with at least two defenders. Might have been a third there. He wasn't ever able to get that plant foot down. I'm convinced had he put that foot down and was able to drive forward, he probably finds himself in the end zone, and BYU finds a way miraculously to get out of Conway, South Carolina with that victory. Alas, he's down on the one, and BYU's ambitions of an undefeated season, a magical year in the 2020 season, are dashed with a 22-17 loss. Did it ruin the season for some BYU fans? Yeah, I'm convinced it did, actually, because some of the conversations we had around this game, doing post-game uh, stuff like I was 
was doing at the time from a radio station, there were a lot of BYU fans who were very upset. We should have never scheduled this game. Or if you wanted to play, you should have moved it away. There were so many things out there. But the thing about this is, it was a game that BYU felt like they had a chance to go down and win. And they came a yard short. That's the thing about it. One yard short. And it's a kind of an analogy for life. There are times you're you're working your way, you're working your way, and just at the last possible second, you come up just a tad bit short. It happens. And it happened in this game. And was it highly disappointing? Absolutely. Because in many ways, it probably did uh, cost BYU a chance at a New Year's Six Bowl game. Now, BYU had been ranked in the top 10 uh, going uh, going in uh, to what was a bye week following that game against Northern Alabama. But after the BCS, no, I keep saying the BCS rankings, the college football playoff rankings or the pseudo BCS rankings, whatever you want to call them, came out. BYU actually slid down to 13th in the rankings going into this game against Coastal Carolina. And had they won it, they probably boost themselves right back up into the top 10, and at that point, all uh, all bets are off with regards to BYU and the potential bowl destination. But after this loss, as was customary with BYU in their independent run, you lose one game, and the sad part was you go from what was potentially a New Year's Six bowl game and a massive payday and a huge platform to play on and, and the like, and suddenly... You're playing in the Roof Claim Boca Raton Bowl. And nothing against the Roof Claim Boca Raton Bowl. We'll talk about it. I actually made the trip down to that bowl game. We'll talk a little bit about my experience. Trust me, it was a wild one. We'll talk more about that here in a couple of days. But the the thing about this was it was just so disappointing for BYU to come up that short. Just so agonizingly close to continuing a magical run. And like I said, I'm convinced if Dax Milne had been able to get his foot down and kind of drive towards the end zone, rather, he was kind of going laterally at the time because he caught the pass and was kind of working his way. If he had been able to get one foot down and kind of drive, use those, use all those squats you do in the summer and drive towards the end zone, I, I'm wholly convinced, looking back at that game, I've re-watched that play I don't know how many times. If he gets that foot down, it feels like he may drive towards the end zone and gets across and obviously gets a miraculous touchdown and BYU wins the game by one, uh, getting out of there with the victory. But you know what? Ifs and buts or Kenny and nuts, we'd all have a Merry Christmas. We all know that analogy. And at last, BYU loses the game. And uh, obviously, it, it put a damper on what was otherwise a fantastic year for BYU. And it really... It, it, it doesn't like denigrate what BYU accomplished in 2020 because there were so many people out there in the national media to this day who still get BYU massive credit for traveling 2,200 miles on two days' notice to play a game of this caliber. The only bad part about it was is that you lost the game. That That is literally the only downside to it. But alas, it is what it is, and we'll talk about BYU's regular season finale coming up uh, on tomorrow's show in that 2020 season, getting ready for that bowl game. But we'll talk about that tomorrow, and it's one of those kind of funny things uh, you look back on and say, okay, what could have been? But the the, the the final game, Saturday, December 12th, a freezing game. I, I vividly remember it. BYU pulled out some old friends uh, to wear in that game. We'll talk about those on tomorrow's edition of the podcast. All right, coming up here in just a minute, we do have a question that I actually read this article in a listener of ours asked me to weigh in on it and we'll finish out today's show looking at that regards to the NFL draft a potential NFL draft prospect according to the athletic has popped up that frankly I'm not 100% convinced even starts at BYU this season and we'll talk about that here in just a moment now first a word on our friends over at Perry Homes they've worked with us for many many months now the best part about Perry Homes my friends is they want to help you guys out wherever you 
are in the housing game. If you're trying to build your first house, you're trying to build your dream house, they've got everything set up for you guys to give you guys the best opportunity for success when it comes to building your home. The best part is they've been around for 50 years. They've been Utah's premier home builder with communities throughout the state and would love, love nothing more than to work with you guys and find the perfect solution for your housing needs. Perry Homes has beautiful communities in Davis, Salt Lake, Tooele, and Utah counties with multiple communities in Washington County near St. George as well, all available to you. They offer over 50 unique home designs from Ramblers to two stories to townhomes as well. They even have quick moving homes available if you're ready to make the move right away and just get into something. That's the best part about this. They're also offering generous financing incentives through their preferred lender as well to help you get a little bit of a uh, financial boost with regards to how crazy interest rates have been in the housing market. But hey, all you got to do to get started is visit PerryHomesUtah.com to see what's new in Utah's finest neighborhoods. That's PerryHomesUtah.com to learn more now. For 50 years, Utah has been coming home to Perry Homes. Thank you once again for making Locked On Cougars your first listen of the day. Thank you to all of you who make it a part of your routine every single day. It truly is awesome to see the thousands of you uh, who check out the show. Uh, the listener and viewership numbers are strong. Uh, please continue to rate, review, like the show. It, it's simple on YouTube. You just got to click that thumbs up button. That thumbs up button is worth its weight in gold because the algorithm sees it and starts sharing with other BYU fans and helps us build this community and this audience. So uh, thank you for your support in this. And by the way, one other thing real quick. Uh, I've had some people ask me, well, Jake, uh, in terms of a community thing, have you ever considered starting a Discord server? Now, Discord is kind of a, a, a channel where you can communicate with fans it's like a message board in a way. If there is interest in it, I will absolutely look into it. But I, I'm not 100% convinced that as, as many of you as uh, have in, expressed interest in it, if there are other BYU fans who have interest in it. So if you are interested in potentially being part of a Discord server, trust me, I'm still learning about it myself, but it's a pretty intriguing product. If that's something you would be interested in, please let us know. Uh, respond via social media. Send us an email, lockedonbyu at gmail.com. Let me know. And I, if, if there's enough interest in it, hey, I'm not above starting it. I've got a brother who actually is very, very adept at these things, and he can get get it set up for us and get us started on it, and uh, maybe we can have some fun with that. So uh, let me know. If there's interest in that, let me know, and we'll we'll pursue it. All right. Uh, our good friend uh, uh, Giovanni on Twitter, it's actually G-I letter uh, number zero underscore V-N-I. V-A-N-1, said, Jake, did you see that Dane, uh, Dane Brugler on the athletic ring? Ian Fitzgerald is the 15th best senior offensive tackle prospect. Love to hear your take on it during your next episode. And it's a great question, uh, Giovanni, because I did read this. I read all these. Dane Brugler is actually one of my favorite NFL draft analysts working for the athletic. I think he does a fantastic job. He's very thorough in his evaluations of players. He's actually down on two, he's down on one guy and higher on another guy at BYU in this offensive tackle prospect. And one of them is Ian Fitzgerald. He does list Ian Fitzgerald as the 15th best uh, top 20 senior offensive tackle. Now, uh, the thing about this is when you're down that list that far, you're looking at a late-round pick, potential undrafted free agent uh, prospect, but he's got Ian Fitzgerald on that list, meaning he has evaluated him at least at some level and believes that there is some NFL caliber in a guy like Ian Fitzgerald. Obviously, he was a star at Missouri State, made the transfer to BYU, and uh, due to the influx of other transfers along the offensive line for BYU, I'm not 100% convinced that Ian Fitzgerald starts for BYU this year. Now, training camp could completely change that. He could go out and just absolutely be a stud, whether it's a tackle or a guard for BYU, and he just steals the show, and he makes a position his, and he finds himself uh, playing very, very well, and I'd love nothing more than for that story to play out, but just based on the kind of the logjam of different guys on this roster, it's crazy to see him on this list, and the hope is that he gets that opportunity to go out and show what he's capable of. Uh, it's interesting to me, because it's just, you see this, and you say, okay, what is what is Dame Brugler seeing that I'm not seeing? Now, 
The player he's down on is Kingsley Suomatia. We've seen Kingsley listed as maybe the second, third, fourth best offensive tackle in this class. Well, in the preseason top 10 draft eligible underclassmen, he's actually got Kingsley Suomatia's seventh on his list. He's got Olu Fashanu, uh, um, a couple of players like from the, the SEC, uh, J.C. Latham uh, from Alabama, Joe Alt uh, from uh, Notre Dame, guys that uh, Kingsley has been listed amongst in terms of NFL draft potential, but he's got him behind uh, Tyler Guyton from Oklahoma, Jack Nelson from Wisconsin, and then there's at number seven, Kingsley Suomatia listed at 6'6", 325. I'm interested that he is as down on Kingsley and down as relative. Let's be real about this. But I'm as, I'm interested that what Dane is seeing on film that has him down on Kingsley uh, versus what I believe and a lot of other people believe him to be as a first-round draft prospect. Now, he has to go out and prove it on the football field. He will be starting at left tackle for the first time this season for BYU after really making the right tackle position his home early on last season. Can he be as good and as consistent as he was at right tackle last season at times at the left tackle spot and continue a long run of stellar left tackle play for BYU? That's going to be the key differentiator. If he wants to be that first-round draft pick as soon as next year, he's got to go out and prove it this season, and uh, that should be something that should be put on his uh, bulletin board. I guess bulletin board material for Kingsley to go out and prove a guy like Dane Brugler uh, wrong and show that he is capable, truthfully, of being one of those top three or four offensive tackles in this draft cycle. So interesting stuff all the same, but I I wish nothing but the best for guys like Ian Fitzgerald and Kingsley and also guys like Caleb Etienne. I hope all of them get their opportunity to play at the NFL draft, play at the NFL level if that is their dream, and obviously go out and make some money along the way. So interesting stuff all the same. All right, that's going to do it. A big thank you to all of you for your guys' support of the podcast as always. As I said, if there's interest in that Discord channel or maybe another way to communicate with you guys, please let me know and we'll work on that. But a big thank you all the same for your support of the podcast as always. Hope you guys are having a fantastic Wednesday whenever you see this and hope you guys will return with us uh, talking BYU defensive tackles on tomorrow's edition of the podcast. And of course, until then, have a great rest of your day. This has been the Locked on Cougars podcast. See ya.